morning, everyone. Good morning. Everybody doing well? Yeah, yeah. Everybody back there, you guys okay back there? Yeah. Sound booth, you guys good? Y'all awake? Don't fall asleep on me, okay? (laughs) It's them. It's them. Uh Uh-huh. Always, always. You know, the sound area, the sound and media area is one of those unsung areas of the church that we don't notice until they mess up. Can I get an amen? (laughs) So love on them often, because when everything's going good, nobody notices. But when things go bad, they're the first one that catches grief. Well, first off, thank you, Pastor John, for having me and everybody here. It's an honor to be here. Um, He actually said that I'm kind of from the mother church of the region, and that's partially true, but the reality is, is that Grace Point has probably done more in this region than what you may or may not realize. Um, I think it was Pastor Kevin came and planted the church here from Mid-Cities years and years and years ago, and then he went back to, to take over Mid-Cities, but he left Pastor uh, Jeff Little in charge here, and then Pastor Jeff and his team went to Keller, and they have planted, they, you guys sent Pastor Jeff and his team, and they've got a church of several thousand people going and growing strong in Keller, and that's part of Grace Point's legacy. Um, Man, you guys have just done so many amazing things here, Um, and and that's what I love about being here at Grace Point. I mean, um, I remember the good old days. I've been in uh, Morningstar slash Every Nation since about 2000. Let's see, 2001, 2002. So I've been, I've been running around this place for, for quite a few years. And before that, I actually used to drive over here to Abilene and, and party, but we won't talk about those days. That was all pre-Jesus because <clears throat> I was always really spiritual and holy. So I don't know, I don't know about you guys. I, I'm a little intimidated that you said I have my own style. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I mean, I don't know. Are y'all used to like very quiet? I mean, I don't picture Pastor Rich as just being quiet. I mean, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I've done college campus ministry on an HBCU. That's a, come on. And so I like you to talk back to me. That's how I know I'm doing good. If, if you're not talking back to me, I'm going to think that I'm not doing good. So, so if you hear something good, say amen. Go ahead, say amen. amen. Say preach it. Preach it. Say come on. come on. That's the sauce right there. Okay, just anything you want to throw out there, you just let me know. Okay, I've been doing youth ministry for 17 years. And man, I love it. I love teenagers. I love the next generation. Um, and you know, I really believe that the future of the church depends on how well we reach and raise the younger generation. So basically for you, that means that if you're 15, that means you need to be serving in elementary, reaching those guys. If you're 20, you need to be reaching the teens. If you're 30, you need to be mentoring and reaching the twenties, et cetera, and so on. We always have to think multi-generationally, okay? And so that's kind of what today's sermon is, is a little bit about. But before I go into all of that, um, you know, you guys are a part of every nation. You guys, uh, I'm sure you've heard quite a few speakers come in from every nation, like Pastor John said. He, he stole all of my open opening comments, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of lost right now as to what I want to say. But let me introduce a little bit about myself. First off, I want to introduce my family. Um, this is me. Aren't I handsome? I don't know why I put myself up there twice, but still, this is me and my beautiful wife, Jennifer. She is the, the tallest of the females on the screen in the center. That's my wife, Jennifer. We will be married for 20 years this September. My son is 18. His name is Logan Noble. He's leaving for CFNI for a, for a gap year program. Um, next month, we'll be dropping him off in Dallas. My oldest daughter is right there in the middle underneath my wife. Her name is Hannah. She has special needs. She was born with mosaic down syndrome and had a uh, heart 
heart surgery when she was four months of age. And then on the bottom is my little spitfire. That is Isabella. She is 11 going on 2011. I mean, 21. I mean, you know, she's like 20 plus 11 all rolled into, she's just sass, man. It's just, oh, when my wife got pregnant with her, she almost immediately felt her start moving and we knew we were in trouble because she hasn't stopped since. Um, As for me and myself, um, I've always been kind of a little bit of an adventurer. I love to do crazy things. I, I, I mean, growing up, um, I didn't really ever get injured too terribly bad, but I never would back down from a challenge because I was a little, I was kind of a scrawny kid. And you know, if you're a scrawny kid, I know, I, trust me, my nickname used to be Skinny Kinney. Don't, I know it's crazy, but it's true. I used to look like Leland, actually, once upon a time. <laughs> Leland, how long have you been married? Two years. Okay. The wait is coming, bro. Just believe my face. It's happening. It's coming. Um, when my wife met me, I wore a 29-inch waist. I'm not going to tell you what I wear now, but it is very far from 29 inches, okay? <clears throat> but anyways, man, that's my amazing family. But I've always grown up, I've always been a little bit of an adventurer, somebody who liked to, to go and to, to do things and be challenged. And so for me, um, whenever I, uh, man, I, I love video games. I was an Atari kid. Anybody in here ever... Like most of you guys don't even remember Atari. Then, then there was Nintendo. There was my cousin. He actually had Intellivision. It was the one with the little knob and the and the number figure buttons. You guys, yeah. So I loved adventures. I always would always read adventure stories and all those things. Love spy movies. Actually, me and my wife we watch all the CSI and Bones and all that kind of stuff. And so for, for me, that's kind of part of my passion for Jesus is, is following Jesus is an amazing adventure. I mean, Jesus himself said that if you, if you do what he's calling you to do, the gates of hell won't even prevail against you. So it's almost like we have this mission. You have a mission should you choose to accept it. This mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. See, and that's what today is all about. Today is about the impossible mission. You know, and so as Christ followers, if you're bored with your Christian faith, if you're bored with church, you're doing it wrong. Look at your neighbor and say, don't do it wrong. Because you'll stop. That's the reality is if you're doing it wrong, you're going to stop. I mean, how many of you, how many of you got really, really bored with something one time? Maybe it was a hobby that you thought you were going to like, like underwater basket weaving. And then like you got there and you're like, oh, this is kind of boring. I'm underwater. I can't hear anything. I'm trying to work on this basket. I'm done. And like you quit after a little bit, right? If it's boring, you're not going to stick with it. Okay. Now then, now then some of you, some of you may be okay with that. Some of you are like, I'm just going to sit here underneath this shade tree because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. Now then, unbeknownst to most of us, the shade tree is not one of those places that you're actually going to accomplish a whole lot. You know, you're going to fall asleep there and you're going to grow mold while you're sitting there. So the mission is to make disciples. And Jesus doesn't make it sound optional when we read our Bibles. Now then, our Bibles won't be destroyed five seconds after reading it, even though a lot of Christians today treat it like that. That's why they've never read it. Come on, somebody. Yeah, y'all, you're like, hey, whoa, 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 you're starting to step on my toes, bro. So, but truth, truthfully, if you want to do everything that God commanded you to do, you got to read it so you know what that is. 
because that's part of the Christian life. And so this morning, as we talk about the impossible mission, well, actually, it's not the impossible mission. It's the unshakable mission that we treat as the impossible mission. So here we are. We're doing the unshakables series, and I love this. It's exciting. Um, but I want you to get your Bibles out because it's not going to be destroyed as we go through it. It's going to be strong. But let us start off with some prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for this time. I thank you for these amazing people that have woken up early. Lord God, I thank you for Pastor John and his family that have driven, Lord, and gotten here. Lord, I thank you for the worship team that were here at seven this morning practicing. God, I thank you for the sacrifices so many people uh, made this morning so that we could gather together and worship your name. God, you were holy and righteous. You were pure and holy. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you would come and that you would dwell amongst your people, Lord God, that you would give us um, illumination, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to reveal all truth to us. Father, that, that my words would be few and that your word would reign supreme, God, because just one word from you will change people's lives forever. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for all of it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So Jesus takes his commands pretty serious. And, and as we'll see in the scripture, the mission is basically to help others find and follow Jesus. That's really the unshakable mission. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. The churches have come and gone. Uh, cities have been built and cities have been destroyed. Uh, countries have come and gone. But it, since Jesus stated it, the mission remains the same. And that's simply this. Find others help them to find Jesus, and then all of us follow him together. So to accept the mission of making disciples, there's a threefold call that we, have to, um, that we have to work on. And that is, one, the call to go, two, the call to deny, and three, excuse me, it's the call to be, the call to deny, and the call to go. I'm, all, I'm always excited, I'm ready to go all the time. So I'm like, yes, we'll go. And he's like, wait, what are we going to do? First off, we got to be before we can go. So that, if you're taking notes, and you should, because note takers are history makers. If you want to make an impact in Abilene, you want to make an impact in your home, you want to make an impact in your spiritual life, you need to be taking some notes. You need a Bible pen and a notebook. I mean, that's some, some basic things that are going to help you be strong in this. But we're going to start off with the call to be. The call to be is kind of this first call that we see. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Mark 1, starting in verse 16 through 20, I don't know if you're like me and you try, always try to beat the, the pastor to the scriptures. I got a new Bible, so there's a chance you might beat me today. But see, I've been racing, I've been racing pastors for scripture for a long time. Okay, here we go. I'm, I made it. Anybody else beat me? Anybody beat me? Dang. Oh, no, no, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, y'all afraid your Bible's going to explode if you open it. That's what it is. That's what it is. Cheaters. Pastor John, what kind of people y'all raising up in here? No, I'm just kidding. I love having scriptures on the screen. And the older I get, the easier it is to read that than this. <laughs> All right, so starting in verse 16, it says this. It says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. 
See, before we can make disciples, we have to be a disciple. That's kind of one of the core principles of Christianity. Um, you have to understand before you can teach. You have to learn before you can. Anybody in here a teacher? Anybody? Okay, we got one teacher. So did you just decide one day that you were going to be a teacher and you just went onto the high school campus and said, I'm going to be a teacher and they hired you? No, you had to go through school. Then you had to take the, the test. What are those things called? I can't even remember what they're called. They're f- some fancy word. Yeah, they changed the name on them. But then you got to take the test and you got to pass the test. And then you got to get, get all of this stuff done. And then you can go be a teacher, right? He just doesn't, you just don't stroll onto the campus and say, I'm going to be a teacher. You know, it's like anybody in here play pro, pro football ever? How many of you like football? How many of you wish you could be a pro football player? Why aren't you, man? You, went, you decided to be a teacher. Yeah. Do you, do you wanted to be a pro football player. What stopped you? Wait, wait. See, there's all of these factors in accomplishing things. And for some reason, the Western church has decided that that being a disciple of Jesus simply means we come and we sit in a pew. And nowhere in scripture does Jesus ever say that. It's it's kind of funny. Jesus actually said, come and follow me. And and following Jesus doesn't mean we come to church because Jesus is in the church, yes, but then Jesus is out in the world trying to reach people. So if we're really about following Jesus, if we want to be his disciple, then we need to be going out and doing what Jesus did, which is calling people to come and follow him, right? So basically a disciple is being someone being more like Jesus in all that we do. A disciple is a, dis- is a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I- I've been doing this Christian thing for really dedicated for about 17 years. But, but like I got saved when I was 10 at-, at church. I walked the aisle and came down front and the pastor was there and he prayed with me and I sat down on the front row and I filled out that little card to the best of my ability. For 16 years, I just drifted. And let me tell you, those 16 years, I was living like I was, a, like I was not Jesus. I was drinking. I was smoking dope. I was chasing girls. I was doing anything and everything except reaching people for Christ. But yet at 10 years old, I signed that little card prayed that little prayer. So I think that, that what happens is, is that sometimes we confuse being a disciple for being morally upright or, or for um, being uh, involved in religious activity. But, but a disciple is a lifelong follower of Jesus, not a philosophy, not a moral code, but a follower of a living person. See, a disciple, a disciple follows a living person and he's connected with other people that are following the same living person and we're all following Jesus together. I, I have this saying, I don't know where I got it, but I got it years ago and it's simply this, is discipleship happens better in circles than in rows. So if you're coming here to, to Sunday morning expecting this to be your discipleship time, this is a great learning time. This is a great time for you to learn and grow and be inspired and worship God through the reading of the word and through listening and songs and giving tithes and offering. This is a great time to worship together. But discipleship is going to happen better in your small group. 
I don't know if, if you're involved in a small group or not, but I saw the signs. There are signs all over this church for you to get involved in discipleship groups, and you need that in your life if you want to be a good disciple. You see, a disciple grows in community. Jesus didn't just call one guy. We saw that he called, uh, he's, he called John, he called James, he called Andrew. He just called all of these people all of a sudden, and the call was to, to all of them, come and follow me. So everybody followed Jesus together. It's not like he met with them one-on-one. You know, 12, he set up 12 meetings each week. So he would do lunch on Monday with Peter, dinner uh, Monday night with, with Paul. I mean, he didn't do that. They, they lived life together. They did life together. See, the call in Scripture is always a call to a people, not a person. See, when Paul wrote all these letters that we love, when you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that was written to the Philippian church. The, the Philippians, not Phil. It was written to the Philippians. Y'all are falling asleep on me. I got, I got a few chuckles out of that, but still, I need some amens or something. Come on, somebody, help a brother out. You know what? This side's too white. Come on over here. Let me. I need, Pastor John, give me an amen every once in a while. Oh, yeah, that's what I need right there. But seriously, a disciple grows in community. The call all throughout scripture is doing life together. Even Proverbs, which is Old Testament wisdom. Proverbs is literally an entire book on how to relate to one another in your community. You know, it talks about there's counsel. You need to have lots of wise counsel. You need to, you need to, to a friend that lives close by is better than a brother far away. I mean, it's all about doing life together. It's strewn with passages about having counselors, not isolating oneself, brotherhood, operating community. Community is a vital context in maturing as a disciple. Can I tell you something about my discipleship journey? I got saved at 10, but it wasn't until I got involved in my local church and we got involved in a Bible study where I actually had to read the Bible. What? Who does that? I had to read the Bible a chapter every night while I was going through this Bible study. I had homework to do, homework at church, people. What were they thinking? Who do they, don't they know I got things to do like play video games? I mean, come on. I had a busy life. I mean, I was slaying dragons and stuff. Back, I, was, I was snake. Come on. I had some Metal Gear Solid business to take care of. I mean, I had a lot going on. There were, there were things to do, and I had homework at church. Mm, I don't know what they were thinking. But then we would get together, and we would watch this video, and then we would circle up. Literally, we would watch it in the main sanctuary. We would take our chairs. Actually, I think these chairs came from my old church, didn't they? I think these chairs came from Cornerstone Church, which was my old church back in Big Spring. And literally, we would circle these chairs up. And we would circle these chairs up. And we would, and we would talk about what we saw on the video and our homework. I mean, wasn't I just supposed to show up and clap some hands, sing a song, check my check mark for religious duty of the week and go home and play video games. I mean, cause that's what I wanted to do. I mean, that was where my adventure was, but then something clicked. I went to this retreat and I began to understand that following Jesus, following Jesus meant adventure, real life. I didn't have to vacate to a fantasy land. I didn't have to lose my mind in a book about some foreign place fighting dragons and, and doing all this other stuff. You know what I had to do? 
I had to open my eyes and see that spiritual warfare was all around me and I needed somebody to teach me how to do it. And then I had to realize that, wait a second, there are real demons that, that are oppressing people that my job as a follower of Christ is to go into all of these places and to help set people free because free people free people and that's what Jesus did and that's what I'm supposed to do. So come on somebody, all of a sudden discipleship became exciting to me. And it can be exciting for you too if, if you choose to do it. Now then, if you don't choose to do it, I'm not sure what you are, but I don't think you're a disciple because Jesus's disciples went and reached people and taught them the ways of, of Jesus. You see, the unshakable mission is a call to be. And so the appropriate response when Jesus calls you is to leave everything behind for the one who laid everything down. That's the appropriate response. And it took a little bit for it to click. But when it did, it was a game changer. Literally, I stopped playing those games and started playing the game of life. You see, the second call, if you're taking notes and you need to be taking notes, is simply this. The second is the call to deny. In Mark 8, I'm going to beat you to it. Nope. Oh, y'all are cheating again. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. No, you already got it? Dang it. Dang it. I'm slow this morning. It's a new Bible. I just got it. It's still sticky. It's pages 834 through 37. All right. It says this. It says, in calling the crowd to him with his disciples. So he already had his disciples with him and he's got this crowd. How many of you know it's real easy to get a crowd? I mean, it's real easy to get a crowd of people. But then there's this next call that Jesus said. He said, in calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, this is very unpopular. That would be akin to saying, if anyone would follow after me, let him pick up his electric chair or his lethal injection and come and follow me. This is literally what it would be like in today's context. You see, if we are to be a disciple, we must live a life of self-denial. See, I could have stayed at home and kept playing those adventuresome video games and reading all those books. See, it says, for whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And we'll... Uh, whoever, loses, whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. Excuse me. I got my, my translations mixed up. See, I could have stayed there. I could have played video games. I could have done all of those things in my, and, and vacated my mind. But then, in the midst of all of it, I would have lost the greatest adventure, the greatest mission, the greatest call, the greatest purpose of my life. You see, the call to deny is a call to freely follow. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You see, what can a man give in return for his soul? What, what is your soul worth to you? Is it worth leaving church early so you can catch the football game in its entirety? Is it worth not sharing the gospel with somebody at work because, well, they might, they might judge you? 
You're not just forfeiting the, the, the call in your own soul, but you're literally risking their eternity in hell. And there's an adventure to be had. There's an adventure to be had. There's, there's a mission that Jesus has sent us all on. The call to deny is a call to freely follow. It means letting go of self-determination and anything else that would hinder us from fully trusting. That's hard for me to fully trust and to fully obey Jesus. Obedience to Jesus is usually costly. I mean, you look at the first century church, um, most of all of his original 12 disciples were martyred. Like they literally gave up their lives and we're afraid we're gonna give up. What are we afraid we're gonna give up? I mean, they were willing to give up their life and some of us aren't willing to give up our favorite pew. I mean, right? I mean, that's my pew. That's where I need to sit. I couldn't find a parking place this morning. It was just, it was so full. I just don't know if I can keep coming here. I mean, there's so many new people. Now, I know Grace Point isn't that way, but there are literally people in churches all across America, the Christian nation, that get upset. I do youth ministry consulting work. I, I, I've talked to youth pastors all over West Texas and kind of the South. And I literally get, have conversations with these guys where they say things like, my pastor's upset because the kids that I'm bringing in, um, they're not saved and they're, they're a little boisterous and, and like they cuss. Your pastor's upset at that? Yeah, are they tearing stuff up? No, they're real respectful. They're nice, they don't tear anything up but he says, I'm not taking care of the kids in the church. What are you doing for them? Same thing I'm doing for everybody else. They just don't want to come. Wait, we've lost sight of the mission. The mission is to go and reach lost people and bring them in. And sometimes you can't bring them in. So sometimes you just got to go hang out with lost people. I do a Bible study on Sunday nights. I'm excited to get home. We've, we've missed the last couple, but on Sunday nights, I have a Bible study. We're actually doing the purple book. You guys have the purple book here, right? Come on. So these, this boy came in. It was the Wednesday before the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So it was the middle of November. He came in and he was hanging out in, my, in the youth area. And I walked by him. I was like, hey, I don't know you. What's your name? He's like, my name's Joe. I was like, okay, cool. Started talking to Joe. And his grandfather's um, been diagnosed with cancer. And so he's kind of seeking God, trying to figure out what's going on. I, I don't know how to process through this. And we'll, we talk and you can tell he's uncomfortable and, and he wants to, to kind of get past meeting the strange big guy with the red beard. And, and so he's like, hey, I, I think my friends are here. My girlfriend and her friends are coming. And so he goes and he hangs out with them and I keep stopping by where they're sitting at, you know, um, you know pre-service and I'm talking with them and engaging them. And they're like, oh, hey, you know, and it's just weird and awkward. I'm like, hey, after service, let me take you guys to Rosa's. Mm, glory. Let me take you guys to Rosa's, because that's where the anointing really is, especially if you're from Midland. You guys, I mean, I know you guys have Rosa's here, but do you like, do you worship there regularly is what I want to know. I mean, that's really a test of of your your spiritual nature. But anyways, I I end up loading up these four strange kids that I've never met, and we're cracking jokes. You're not going to take us out somewhere and kill us, are you? I'm like, no, no. And they're like, "Um, is this, like, 
is this, you know, we, we don't understand. I'm like, I just want to get to know you guys better. I'm like, I'm tired of hanging out with religious kids, you know? And they're like, huh? And I was like, look, you guys aren't religious, are you? No. Tell me about you. Well, I'm an, I'm an agnostic and I'm bisexual. Oh, okay. That's cool. What about you? Well, I grew up Catholic, but I really love horoscopes. What's your sign? I don't know. Guess. You know, and so we have these conversations and then one of them grew up Church of Christ um, and has all the right answers, but all the rumors about her are that she really likes hanging out with the boys. And so, and then you got Joe, who's this, I don't know where I'm at. I'm just trying to figure out what's going to happen with my, my grandfather when he dies. And so I take him for lunch or for dinner that night and we talk and I'm like, look, I'm a pastor. Ask me anything you want to about spiritual things. I mean, literally anything. And so they did and we have a conversation. And then the next, the next week, um, we don't have youth service on Wednesday night. So I'm like, hey, we don't have youth next Wednesday. Let's meet up again and we'll all hang out again. Okay, cool. So that next week, I, I bring four purple books. And I say, hey, I want you guys to do this Bible study thing with me. It's called the purple book. It'll help answer all your questions about God and learn who he is and what he wants from you. Oh, okay, sure, cool. So like, all right, let's plan on meeting. Well, between then and when we actually started meeting, the boyfriend broke up with the girlfriend and he stopped coming, but her and her friends still come. So literally for like nine months, I've been hanging out at, at Rose's on Sunday nights with these kids and they're learning about Jesus a little bit at a time. One of the girls um, gave her life to Christ, went to camp. Um, <clears throat> so she, I'm, I'm supposed to be meeting them. I'm not meeting them tonight, but tomorrow night, we're still going through the purple book. It's taken us forever, but we're literally going through and talking about life as we go. And it's as we're going through the purple book. Purple book is a tool. It's not the end all be all. Use that to open up doorways to get to know people. You don't have to finish it in 12 weeks. And so that's what being a disciple is, is, is being willing to meet them outside of the four walls. And that's what I've done. And they call me their pastor and, and they love me. And if I'm not preaching, they're like, I don't think I'm going to go this week. No, no, you need to go because I'm not going to be there to preach forever. You need to be focused on Jesus and not me. And so we have those conversations. You see, the paradox is that when we lose our life for him, it means that we actually gain a greater life than we could ever imagine. You see, for me... I could have stayed at home and done my own thing and had kind of a dead-end construction job, just doing a whole lot of nothing, never really going anywhere, just blue-collar stuff. But since I've come to know Jesus over the last 17 years, I've got to impact generations of young people. I've got to do weddings, and I've seen children of children that I've ministered to. <clears throat> I, I have had the opportunity to, to witness to a homosexual who gave her life to Christ and we discipled her through all of her mess and then I was able to perform her wedding and now she's expecting her firstborn child. I could have never done that sitting at home. Could have never done that just doing what I wanted to do. I had to deny myself and follow Jesus because if we're to be the disciple, it means that we're gonna have to live a life of self-denial. By denying my plans and purposes, God propelled me into a greater destiny and path than I ever imagined. Here's something that we gotta know. Living in fear that you won't be satisfied in God's will really believes the propaganda and the lies of the enemy. Because the enemy is always gonna tell you, no, that's not for you. No, that can never happen to you. No, no, no. Oh, don't, don't think about that. You could never reach somebody at work. You could never reach somebody at school. You could never, you can't. You're, you're not equipped enough. You're not smart enough. You're not handsome enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not, your hair's too straight, whatever. It's a lie. 
Because God says, seek first his kingdom and everything else will be added to you. God says in his word, he says that, that Paul said, whether abased or whether abounding, no matter what I do, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, if you're trusting in Jesus, if you're having that personal intimate relationship with Jesus and he's growing you, you can do it. When I started in youth ministry, I just simply said, hey, is anybody mentoring teenagers? Because it sounds like you're talking trash about them all the time. I mean, if you're willing to complain about the, the, the next generation of college students, children, elementary, whatever, youth, if you complain about the youth ministry and you don't serve in the youth ministry, I don't want to talk to you. I'm just telling you right now, do you understand that Jesus chose teenagers for his disciples? That's a whole nother sermon. Maybe Pastor John will let me come back. But let me tell you something. Jesus took teenagers, those millennials, and he changed the world with them. Because teenagers have a passion to do something, not just sit around. But as parents, we buy them the things to let them sit around. Here, let me get you that new video game system. Let me get you that phone. Let me get you that fidget spinner. We're literally feeding our youth and our children with tools of distraction to keep them from fulfilling their purpose. But that's another sermon. I don't know how I went there, why I went there. Probably because I bleed youth ministry, but still. Living in fear that you won't be satisfied in God's will really believes the propaganda of the enemy. God has a plan for you that's greater and more amazing than you can ever even imagine. In Ephesians 2, it tells us that, that we're saved by grace, not by works, so that no man can boast. But then it goes on in Ephesians 2.10 to say that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has before ordained that you should walk in them. Jeremiah 29, 11, oh, we love that, especially at graduation time. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you purpose. And we believe that for graduates, but not for ourselves. God has a plan for your life, and that plan probably includes reaching somebody at your workplace or in your neighborhood, because your ministry location is your vocation. Where is God sending you to be fishers of men? Well, it depends on what your work address is or your school address. God is sending you. You just have to be willing to go. I've got to jump into light speed. Uh, I'm sorry. I got all excited and preaching. So the call to deny involves denying the enemy access to detouring your destiny, not denying your comfort. Um, the call to deny is really about denying detours on the road to following Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's just a long road in the same direction as Jesus. So the third thing, and we're gonna wrap it up with this, the third thing is the call to go. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, I'm not even gonna try. Mm, mm. I need my glasses. Remind me next service to bring my reading glasses up here so I don't have to do this. What, where's that? Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It says this, it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. There's a whole sermon right there. And then when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is what, in the church world, we like to call the Great Commission. It sounds so spiritual. The Great Commission. 
It's where Jesus commissions us to make disciples. So what we're going to do in the next five minutes is we're going to break it down real quick. Why? First question is why. Why has Jesus called us to do it? Because all authority has been given to him. That's why. And crazy enough, Jesus believes that through us, he can change the world. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Why? Because Jesus said it, so we got to do it. What are we going to go do? We're going to go and make disciples. What? What? Go make disciples. As we go about our day with a renewed sense of purpose and helping others find and follow Jesus, that's the unshakable mission. We don't want them to come find us. Look, if you just sit here every Sunday morning and you don't go from here, this church is going to dry up and die. I've seen it happen all over. If you don't actively go, don't expect them to come. You're the greatest billboard your church could ever have. You're the greatest media marketing tool. Nobody watches commercials anymore. We fast forward through that trash. DVR, praise Jesus. That's why you don't ever need to miss church for for a football game. You can DVR it. Stay off social media. You'll be okay. Right? I mean, we have DVR now. Like, I don't have to watch commercials. Mm. I don't have to see the half-naked ladies from Victoria's Secret or watch another Trojan commercial. I'm like, come on. This is the Disney Channel. What are you doing to me? You know? (laughs) Not really. But ABC Family did that real bad. And then they became freeform. And now I don't want to know what it's all about. I just avoid it. So we can't wait for them to come to us. Who? Who are we supposed to go to? Who? All nations. You guys have an Air Force base right here in Abilene. The nations are coming to you. You get to meet them halfway. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's exciting. Do something about it. People from all over the North, North America are coming here. It's great. How? How are we supposed to do this? By baptizing them and teaching them to observe and obey. Not just teaching them. I mean, you got to give them homework. <laughs> You know, you have to have homework. If you're going to obey Jesus, your homework involves you going and reaching people. Teaching and baptism, baptism and teaching. We, sometimes we get those mixed up. We want to teach before we baptize. We baptize and teach. Those are key elements of the discipleship process. We're to teach them in order to observe and obey, not just learn. And then lastly is remember. Remember this. I... I'm with you always. And that's pretty impressive. I am with you. Jesus is with you. You don't have to do this of your own strength and your own will. I mean, I'm a 43-year-old man with a big red beard and way too much weight. And I hang out with teenagers. There's no way I want to do this on my own. Uh Uh-uh. I want to be at home eating some bacon and watching something manly on Discovery Channel. Um, I love, I love like survival shows and all that kind of stuff. I like outdoors. Mm. So if it were up to me and my own devices, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But if you take a step out to go and make disciples, man, it's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to come to pass. Jesus is going to be with us. He promises that he will be with us as we go and make disciples. So as the worship team, you guys want to go ahead and come up as we get ready to close. 
I just want to close with us with this. You see, Jesus is with us. As we go and we make disciples, you see, God is with us. God is in us and God works through us. God with us, God in us, and God through us. That's what really this unshakable mission that's lasted for 2,000 years or more has been about. The unshakable life helps us, helps find others and follow Jesus. You see, the mission is firstly to become followers of Jesus. Secondly, we're to deny ourselves as we pursue Jesus. And then lastly, we help others to do the same. In short, our mission is to make disciples. This is for every believer. The great commission, not the great suggestion, is for every believer. So if you guys would, just stand to your feet with me. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray because this is, this is really simple. The mission, should you choose to accept it, will change your life, change Abilene, Texas, and it will change the world. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. God, we give you glory and honor and praise for your grace and for your wisdom and your strength. Lord, help us to continue to go and make disciples of all nations. In Jesus' name.